Hey, and welcome. Welcome to the Sunday Sermon of the Kingdom Project Podcast. I am your host, as always, Marcus Hall. Today we'll be uh, getting back into Galatians 5, looking at verses 7 through 12. Just want to thank you all for streaming, uh, listening, downloading, all that. If uh, you've been following along for some time and you are a listener, uh, like a... uh, you know, a follower, if you will, of the podcast. Uh, it's that time of year again. Just asking for people to send uh, two, three dollars, or however much you would like to send to help stay on the air. I make no money doing this. I pay to do it. And the uh, link is in the description for the PayPal if you would like to send that and uh, donate to this podcast of spreading interpretation and. Uh, hermeneutics and the word and sermons and all that and uh, I thank you in advance also uh, we're still making our way through the crash course of the Bible so this week we have uh, parts um, I think uh, 9 and 10 coming up so uh, getting into biblical doctrine of uh, the doctrine of the Bible and then uh, the the Trinity God uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit as well all right so Getting to Galatians, we know obviously that Paul was concerned with what was going on there in Galatia. False doctrine uh, had come in; it was penetrating uh, the churches. Right, the Galatians were—they were pagans. They had walked away from those pagan practices, right, because they were converts of the apostle. They had received salvation that comes with that faith or belief in Jesus. Now, at some point, Paul left. The Judaizers arrived. They told them it was not sufficient to just believe in Christ alone for salvation. We know this. This has been laid out this whole time we've been going through this, all right? But they were convincing the Galatians that it was necessary to add the Mosaic law and circumcision as well. But that was nothing short of legalism, all right? It was attempting to please God through works rather than faith and legalism. Legalism is the belief that if you prefer perform certain religious activities or you do this, you do that for that in return that God saves you and blesses you on that basis rather than on the basis of faith alone. Salvation by works then is precisely what Paul argued against here. Salvation is not a question of what you do. It's a question of what you believe, right? It is a question of faith, not of works. And in chapter 5, Paul has said to the Galatian believers that it was for freedom that Christ set us free. That we have been delivered, we have been set free from the judgment of the law of God. We no longer live under its disciplinary regulations, right? Freedom, as expressed in Galatians, refers to freedom from the frustrating struggle to keep the law to gain God's favor. It's the freedom of knowing that you are accepted by God because of what Christ has done for you, and that's it. It is an assurance. It is assurance of salvation that you are saved. So Paul says, stand fast in the freedom of Christ. We saw this last week, which means they are to permit nothing to alter that assurance or that confidence in the fact that when Christ took their place, that he really indeed took their 
place and that there is nothing that they can do that's going to alter that truth. Many of us need to hear this today. We need that assurance. We really do. Uh, We need that assurance. And to have that assurance, I believe, helps us and empowers us to persevere. So Paul's saying that freedom comes at this continual vigilance. That if we would be free from the yoke of slavery, then that is us taking our position in Christ, okay, in Him every day, standing our ground against anything or anyone who would want to try to steal that freedom from us. Now, I don't mean to actually take away your salvation. He doesn't mean that either. Just so you're not confused, this isn't about that, like a devil behind every door or an actual devil himself or anything like that uh, standing your ground against anything or anyone who would try to steal your freedom would be trying to uh, interrupt interrupt the uh, the the joy and the peace that you have in union in your positional uh, spot in Christ and what that would mean is um uh, that you have that assurance that you don't have to hear doctrine or uh, false doctrine or misinterpretation or twisted scripture being taken out of context to try to get you to uh, do this, do that, do whatever it is to add to the salvific work that has already been done by Christ and Christ alone. All right, so let's move on to these texts. Uh, Sorry if I stumbled there for a moment. I was being uh, a little bit distracted by a noise. <laughs> but that's the beauty of recording at home. So we're going to look here at 7 through 12. I'm going to go ahead and read 7 through 12. And then we'll go verse by verse. All right. So Paul says, uh, you, you were, okay, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves all right so you were running well who hindered you from obeying the truth all right paul says actually here he says it right here he says they were doing good he acknowledges the fact that they uh that there was a time in in the galatian believers uh faith right when they were 100 percent faithful to christ and his teachings and so Paul uses this imagery of a race. Uh, this is used a handful of times in Scripture. And the idea was that they were competitors. They were pursuing a goal. They had the finish line in view, but now someone is, is hindering their run. Uh, they may have even moved the goalpost, if you will. All right. So in this context, he's addressing the fact that people run when they have some urgence and important objective in mind 
And in the larger context, that urgent and important objective is being a recipient of God's mercy and God's compassion. So in the larger context of Paul's writings, his understanding of life and running, it, it came together at the point of the urgent and important uh, objective, right? So you have to ask then, what did running well mean to the Galatians then? And to answer that, uh, the first thing we do is look at the statement within the immediate context of the, the thought here. And he, he has declared that Christ's actions in, in our behalf were designed to set us free and indicated that it's possible to yield that freedom so that we w- can once again become enslaved again to a bondage, be, be put in bondage. And he has declared that the issue of this freedom bondage struggle rests upon which approach that we take to God in light of the actions of Jesus, right? So this this would mean that to run well involves uh, remaining fixed upon the the correct approach that we take to God. The wrong approach is that of circumcision, which is used here as a metaphor for relying on human diligence, human works, etc. Alright, this person approaches God with a look how well I have obeyed you mentality. Alright, so the right approach is to run well, which is used as a metaphor for maintaining a fixation upon the absolute adequate merit of Jesus as the substitute performer so that the approach to God occurs with a I am trusting solely in Jesus and Jesus alone and that's all because of his righteousness that has been imputed to me God sees me as righteous too okay so the second thing that Paul says about uh, true Christian is is that they they glory in Christ Jesus Now, this is the, the, the positive side. Uh, to boast, to glory, to... This is a larger con- context, just so you guys don't get lost here. Um, I, I am involving the rest of Galatians in this uh, because that's part of the larger context. So, he, he, the glory, they glory in Christ. That's the positive side. The Greek is to boast... Uh, to, to glory, to pride oneself in something, okay? And it's used to define two extremes of a religious attitude in Galatians chapter 6. And it refers either to proud uh, self-confidence uh, in 6.13. It says, For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. Right? So they wanted to boast in the number of converts that they had won. That's what it was about, the numbers. All right, and it's you, this, this uh, word uh, here is, is, is uh, uh, referred to humble submission to God's grace um, uh, of Christ. And in 6.14, it says, but may it never be that I should boast. 
So he wants the humble submission. May, may, may it never be that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So the only thing that Paul boasted in was, was Jesus and his work of redemption on the cross. So as believers, the only thing that we should be boasting about is Jesus and his work on the cross as well. Therefore, running, running well, <laughs> takes a while to explain things, um, involves glorying only in Jesus, having no confidence in your our flesh. Okay, so running well is... Paul stated even earlier in Galatians 2.20, it's a matter of Christ living in us as we operate in an attitude of dependence upon his presence and willingness to express himself through us. And that's it. All right, so they're not running so well now. So, right, what's happened? They were being hindered uh, in their run. And he's like, who's hindered you? Who are they? Right. And Paul's already he knows who they are. He's already called them distorters of the gospel, false brethren. And he uh, also said that they wish to shut you out in order that you may uh, seek them in in chapter four. So all of this means that the Galatians stepped away from this truth because there were those among them who were uh, attempting to create a visible monument to the pride of man and were deceiving those in Galatia into being part of that movement. So verse 8, this persuasion is not from him who calls you. All right, so the Galatians were not led by the Holy Spirit into legalism, right? It was the Spirit of God who had called them into freedom, right? Romans 8, 13 tells us that God calls people to salvation when it says in who, uh, he, whom he predestined, those he also called, and whom he, whom he called, those he also justified, and whom he justified, these he has glorified. Paul says this persuasion of this extra stuff this going into legalism does not come from god it did not come from him it will never come from him right the god uh the god who called them to salvation through his internal effectual saving call does not uh give this kind of message all right this so this persuasion did not come from god so you know how how do we even tell if a given argument has its roots in God or man or someone else, right? It, that should be a, crit, a critical question. People are always saying, God told me, God said, God is saying this. It, it's a critical, it becomes even more critical when we realize that those who promote certain persuasions okay i'm going to use the same word that paul used here you know he said he didn't say there's a teaching or a a class or a conference a persuasion this is how good it is it persuades people so this is how do we tell if a given argument has its roots in god or, or just the person because those who promote certain persuasions quote the bible right they use the word in, or, in order to validate their arguments. How, how, how do we tell if a person who is using the Bible to attempt to get us to believe something else is presenting God's truth or the perversion of the truth, right? Someone may say, we can tell if it's from God, if it agrees with the Bible, but that's not much help 
because people can twist scripture and a lot of people aren't serious students of scripture to know the context. The problem with answering the question is that that way is simply that people are uh, bad in their theology today. They're bad theologically and in, in the Bible and thinking that it came from the Bible, right? Conversely, people are inadequate to the task of drawing true meaning from the biblical text, and I'm not saying that in a mean way. If you don't know certain text, if you just don't know interpretation and people are just pulling verses out and twisting them out of context, then it's going to sound like it's from God and that it makes sense. <laughs> right? I think we can tell if a given argument has its roots in God or, or in man only by turning to God. Acknowledging our complete dependence upon Him and His willingness to guide our thoughts in right paths and by seeking to interpret the Bible using uh, the interpretation, the laws of hermeneutics. This is why I teach the way I teach, so we all learn. God is of such a nature that He will give truth to those who are actually willing to humble themselves and di diligently seek Him for it. So when you hear somebody using verses and trying to impose something new on it, maybe it's a new revelation they claim to have had that you've never heard before. You look at that verse in question, you look at it in, in context, and you let Scripture interpret Scripture, and you find out the meaning, and you say, no, that's not a new revelation. You're just twisting Scripture to try to persuade me into this or that or the other. Okay? <clears throat> when our dependence is upon God, we... we, we in all seriousness, we are willing to dil diligently labor over the word and to interpret the text, okay? Because the words of the biblical text then become clear in meaning, okay? So verse 9, he goes uh, to say a little leaven. Leaven's a whole lump. And so Paul is is introducing a uh, crucial reasons for intolerance here. Tolerance, just tolerance, allows the introduction of seemingly inconsequential elements of falsehood into a whole which Paul says no that's ultimately going to destroy the integrity of the whole all right so there is a huge need for intolerance here but today obviously intolerance seems to be unchristian believers <laughs> don't want right uh, that but they need to be told okay guys we we must be intolerant intolerant of doctrinal error and to do this, we have to understand truth. We also need to be intolerant of certain things of the culture, like critical race theory and uh, social justice and those that are trying to impose those things onto the gospel, which is happening very much so all over this country. So Paul's warning them that if uh, those who have hindered their Christian walk are allowed around, and they're allowed to keep teaching this grace plus works gospel, that th that false gospel will eventually spread throughout the entire congregation. The true message will be lost and it will, it will be done. Okay. So verse 10, I have confidence in, uh, I have confidence in the Lord. Give me one second. I'm checking my time here. Okay. Sorry. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Okay, so Paul, Paul is taking his dilemma to God so that the words here that he, that he wrote would be an accurate reflection of the real truth. His conclusion is that 
his original impression was the truth. So these people really had been born again by faith uh, in, in Jesus. All right. So that meant that their current condition was temporary. It was a temporary condition created by the fact that they were being deceived. Okay. Therefore, this verse stands out as a witness to Paul's decision to continue to, to believe that they, they're just immature. They need to, to learn how to, be, uh, to stand firm and because they're going to grow and mature more. So they're immature believers who need to grow up in the truth. Because uh, you, so Paul, Paul, notice that he says that those who promote salvation as a consequence of man's will, right? That's what he's saying. Um, he's saying the, the one who is disturbing you shall bear his judgment. All right, what that that's what he's saying. Those who promote salvation as a consequence of man's will rather than God's. See, God is a just God. God will not tolerate people trying to destroy His. People, especially those who are young in the faith. But he says, here I have confidence here that you're not going to take another view. So they're going to stay. And what's that mean? It, that's an assurance and it is security. It's eternal security here. Verse 11. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. Okay, so these troublers uh, here, the, the Judaizers, they, they, they spurred the rumor in Galatia that Paul himself had preached the need of circumcision for salvation. Now, they may have gotten this idea from uh, a, couple of, uh, a couple of facts, right? Paul was circumcised. Paul didn't, he didn't preach against circumcision a circumcision as a cultural identification, okay? If that's all it was, he did not preach against it in that way. And he had he had gone to the trouble of having Timothy, who was from this region of Galatia, circumcised. Okay? So they they take all of this and then they distort them and impose it onto him uh, into a Paul uh, Paul's promotion of circumcision for justification. And Paul says, but I, brothers, if I still preach it, why am I still being persecuted? In other words, if this is true, then then why? Why am I the object of their ridicule and persecutions? Right. If he had actually been in agreement with the Judaizers on circumcision uh, in the way that they promoted it, then the whole issue of the cross would have just been laid aside. As he writes, then that stumbling block of the cross has been abolished, right? And what he said, the case that in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. They could have existed in harmony if Paul agreed with what they were teaching in their version of circumcision, that Christ plus work salvation. But when, when Paul writes, though, of circumcision, he's not just referring to the simple action of 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 the ident cultural identification among the Jews, the cutting of the foreskin off, um, which would take place on the eighth day of a a, a baby boy, or um, or of uh, cutting off the foreskin uh, of a man who has become a convert to the theology of Judaism. All right, circumcision in Paul's terminology has become this catchword for uh, the, the merit 
meritous human effort, human works, all right, to achieve God's approval. All right, so in in that case, uh, in that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. He's saying the cross was a stumbling block to the Jews, partly because they could not accept the ideal of a suffering Messiah, much less a crucified Messiah. But it was even more an offense to them because it robbed them of their most distinctive outward sign of Jewishness. All right. It was the Mosaic law and circumcision. Verse 12. Um, I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Here we go. <laughs> he just wished they'd just go all the way instead of circumcise, uh, uh, instead of uh, just circumcision. They just go ahead and just go, cut it all off. Is what he's saying. Castrate themselves. All right, that's what he means. He says that he wishes these people who are teaching this would just castrate themselves. Uh, the Judaizers emphasize circumcision more than the Old Testament law. Okay, the mentality that they had was the was that the cutting off of a little bit of flesh was commendable and pleasing in God's sight, and they taught that circumcision con contributed to a man's righteousness. So, if this is really true, Paul is just like, then why not just go even further here, guys? If cutting off a little bit of flesh is good here. Cutting off much more should be even better, right? So why not be so pious as to just castrate yourself? Now, if you know the, the law, the Old Testament law forbade uh, castrated men from entering the, the assembly of the Lord. That's in Deuteronomy 23.1. No Jew would uh, have ever considered going this far at all, right? Now, let me give you some uh, some context. Uh, historical uh, context but the border of Galatia was this territory of uh, I don't know really how it's I think it's Phrygia okay but there was this goddess uh, Cybele was worshipped there it could have been Sybil okay but it was the practice of the priest and these devout worshippers of this uh, goddess to be castrated all the priests were eunuchs so Paul says, hey, if you're going to go the route of human achievement and get yourself uh, circumcised, you might as well just go all the way out here, castrate yourselves, and become a full-fledged pagan. From the Old Testament scriptures and contemporary culture there, the Galatians would have recognized that castration as so extreme, too extreme, and yet it was the logical extension of their doctrine that they were being persuaded with. So this illustration graphically reveals the horrifying thought of castration was intended to show that the Galatians to show the Galatians that the Judaizers had gone too far. So Paul has made one cl clear thing. Throughout all of this, legalism is no little thing. It takes away our liberty. It puts us in bondage. It makes Jesus and his work of no profit to us. It puts us under obligation to the whole law, and it violates the work of the Spirit of God. And it makes us focus on things that are irrelevant, and it keeps us from running the race that Jesus has set before us. 
mankind has only two options, all right, when it comes to, uh, comes well, when it, it comes to God. The religion of divine grace or a religion of human achievement. And the message of Galatians is very simple, that apart from grace of God, there is no other means of salvation. No man ever comes to God on his own merits. Never. God's arms are open. He graciously offers salvation to those who will believe in him. But it's faith. It's faith alone. It's faith, grace, Christ alone. All of it. I've said it a hundred times by now. But that's it. Right? Grace or works. And you stay in grace. That's the way to go. Works do nothing. <laughs>